Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in episode 38 today. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Man, it was a busy week in the great state of Texas, Josh. A lot of a lot of stuff moving and shaking. And, um, you know, after, was Thanksgiving last week? It feels like it's been a few weeks ago now, but I guess that was, I guess it was last week, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, after last week was kind of a, a bit of a slow week. This week seemed to, seemed to kind of, kind of make up for it. And, and one of the things is we got a new sponsor, Josh, and our today's sponsor is Inkhead. You know, one of the things, Josh, as you know, we, you know, we're in business. Branding is important, but sometimes we fail to execute on getting our brand and promotional products made. As 2017 winds down, now is the time to get your coffee mugs, your tumblers, shirts, car decals, whatever it is that you want to get done. Now is the time to get that done, and Inkhead has it. If you go to globalenergymedia.com slash ink, you can get free shipping on your first order with promo code AFF ship free. We will link to that in the show notes so you can get it free shipping on your first set of promotional items from Inkhead. And Josh, a couple of things we wanted to point out to the listeners. As we've talked about before, the show is growing, so we're picking up new listeners. We'd love your feedback. Two ways you can do that. First, you can leave us a rating and review in iTunes. And some people go, well, I don't have an iTunes account. It's easy to sign up for. But I think even if you, if you have an Android, you can go on there and leave a rating and review. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about that, but uh, we would appreciate it. It really helps spread the word about the show. We see the shows growing, looking at the numbers. You know, I was talking to someone earlier this week about our numbers and where they're at. They're really good. We're really excited um, about the growth. And so um, as we go out and try to get you know more guests uh, to come on the show, more regular basis, you know, the more numbers we have, the bigger the uh, rating review we have. It helps all of those things. So please consider doing that. Also, you can let us know comments. I was talking to some listeners this week offline about what they thought about the show, what they liked, what they didn't like, kind of getting their feedback. Um, you know, Josh and I don't get everything right, and so we're always curious. You know, is there something we missed? Is there something we overlooked? Is there a point of view on this article that we talked about that we completely forgot about it? Let us know. Ryan at globalenergymedia.com. You can email me directly, and Josh and I will discuss it. Which brings me to, Josh, our next thing, of course, which is questions for the show. We got our first set of questions in from a listener um, this week, and so that will be January, uh, what is it, Josh, the 5th. January 5th, we're going to do our first question and answer show. Um, So if you have questions that you want us to discuss, Ryan at globalenergymedia.com is the way to get that out to us, and we will start doing those January 5th. First Friday every month. As long as we have questions to answer, we will do that. Be sure to get those in. And the final thing, Josh, as you know, we've been talking behind the scenes. There are some folks who have asked us about coming and doing shows at their offices, uh, at their office. And so, yes, that is something we do. We're going to be on the road probably a little bit more in 2018. I think we're going to get Josh Shelton out of the Bat Cave. If you're interested in having our show at your office, a Texas oil and gas uh, show at your office, uh, you can shoot me an email. Also, we're getting ready to announce we're just signing a deal with, with an advertising firm, so we're getting ready to announce that probably next week, Josh. Um, and so people can find that information at globalenergymedia.com. But in the meantime, shoot me an email if you're interested in having us at your office. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ryan, we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on, man. It's exciting. I'm uh, I'm glad everyone is enjoying the show so far, and uh, look forward to 
uh, a great year next year. We have uh, lots of stuff. That we uh, have. Moving on to OPEC. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, Ryan. We had a pro- projection last week or a prediction that OPEC was going to extend the cuts through 2018. People were pretty confident that that's what they were going to do. But as of Thursday this week, uh, OPEC has agreed to a nine-month extension of their uh, of their cuts. Uh, so that was something that is very good for the, the U.S. oil and gas economy, uh, really good for Permian and Eagleford and, and Texas uh, Texas drilling. Yeah, it's a good thing, Josh. Um, you know, last week, I think we titled the show, uh, the short-term outlook looks good, the long-term is kind of uncertain. And this kind of mimics that theme. You know, we, we're, we're excited about 2018. I think 2018 is going to be a good year for shale producers, especially Texas producers. You know, long term, we'll see. There's a lot of factors out there that kind of makes you uncertain. But 2018 should be a very good year, especially the first half of 2018. I think the real debate on this OPEC deal is when we get midway through 2018, will they hold up to their end of the bargain? There was already some, uh, there's someone the other day kind of joking around. Uh, that OPEC should come out and say that, hey, they're going to extend the cuts through 2018, but internally they know they're going to break the deal by you know June or July. You know, I'm not saying they're going to do that or not, but 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 that is kind of the, the the some of the thoughts out there is that hey, this is a good sign at least for the first half. Everyone is seems to agree across the board the first half of 2018 will be great. Uh, the second half is going to depend on, on a lot of things, and, and one of those things will be the U.S. shell producers. How much do they actually drill? Um, with these, you know, positive numbers. And, and one thing I want to talk about, Josh, real quick. I was talking to some folks the other day. We talked about the increased price of gas, uh, the increased oil to gas ratio. And one of the things that they said was, you know, um, if you look at the numbers for these companies, that if oil gets above 60, um, that the oil to gas ratio will not matter um, that much because the, because that's kind of a magic number for a lot of companies. If they get to 60, um then that will kind of alleviate some of those concerns that we had last week. We talked about the oil to gas ratio. Now, I'm not I'm not sure I'm 100 percent sold on that because you know if you, if your company's you know going into hedging and other stuff. But but it was an interesting premise. I kind of I kind of sat back and go, okay, well I can I can see where they're going here. I am curious, you know, someone who may want to talk to us off the record, what would be their take on the 60 dollar oil? Is it enough to overcome some of these oil to gas ratios? But I, I did want to mention that after I got off the show last week, I did talk to someone and that was their take. Um, that, that the $60 price mark would kind of alleviate those, those those pains that some of these companies are seeing with an increased natural gas um, ratio in their wells. Finally, I will say this, $60 oil, it's almost inevitable that we'd get there now at this point, um, you know, which is good. It's exciting. And where we're at in the year, Josh, um, as you know, you know, companies are not um, – they're not. They're not ramping up. They're, you know, it's, things are kind of just leveled off. They're slowing down, and so that only will help the price as we get through the end of the year. And if you look at the price as of, at the time of this recording, um, at least it is. You know, it's at WTI is at fifty eight, fifty eight forty five, and so um, we're right there at that sixty dollar door. Yeah, right there on the right there on the on the cliff, man. We're about to hit it. Well, I hope it's not. I hope it's not a cliff, Josh. <laughs> I hope it's not a cliff because when we hit it, we're going to fall off. So I'm hoping it's not a. I hope it's not a cliff. <laughs> not a physical cliff. Yeah, that was a bad analogy. Yeah, we're we're uh, right at the goal line. Put it that way. There we go. Well, uh, Brian, we got an article from Sergio. Uh, Howard Energy seeks Trump administration's permission to place a cross-border pipeline in service. We've been talking about this on and off for, I'd say, two or three times over the last six weeks. Uh, Howard Energy is is trying to get a, a cross-border pipeline. 
Um, so this would be something really exciting. This would tie Texas and Mexico together even more. And I think it would be a, a great, a great thing to see this uh, come about. So it's something I'd like to keep an eye on. Um, what do you think about it, Ryan? Yeah, it's great. It really is. And I think we talked about, you know, these deals, you know, getting built um, last week, a couple weeks ago, just from the standpoint of we won't increase pipeline production where, where U.S. companies can build and sell products to the Mexican government or the Mexican you know side of the, the equation. And so the Trump administration here, this is a, this is one of these times where whether you're you know pro-Trump or anti-Trump, but this is one of these times where we really want President Trump's administration to come through and to get this deal done quickly. Um, these companies, if you've been following like the Keystone deal and stuff like that, these companies invest a lot of money in these projects with the hope that they're going to get done. And so hopefully this is something that, that uh, President Trump's administration will get pushed through, and, and that will encourage more companies to build. Because once you understand what the permitting process is, once you understand what your risk is, essentially, then you feel, you know, you can decide if you're going to take that risk. And so President Trump greenlighting these projects will only help companies put in more capital to do things like this, which is which is good for both sides. It's good for the U.S. side. It's good for the uh, the Mexican side. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and hey, one more thing. Yeah, we tried to get Sergio on to talk about this, and I got to give him a little bit of grief here. You know, he was he was apparently too busy for us this week, Josh, which was a shame. You know, I thought <laughs> we've always treated him fairly. We've always treated him nicely. We the only thing we've done is we try to get him to talk about capital and gas, and for some reason we can't get him to to talk about that. But uh, maybe, maybe next week. Yeah, we'll have to drill him on it next week. He, he he'll come through next week on the Cabot for us, I believe. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, we have a, a pretty interesting thing here, Ryan. Uh, Rod Drusen with the San Antonio Express. He uh, he has a little article on the Permian and Texas oil and some of the foreign markets uh, really wanting this oil. He mentions uh, the sweet crudes that they're getting. Um, that I think 70% of the oil that went into the Port of Corpus Christi has already been exported. Uh, so Texas oil is really uh, high value for uh, foreign nations and foreign foreign companies. Yeah, well, you know, part of this is just because, as you know, um, you know, different types of oil from different types of fields, um, and so you got to have different types of refineries to refine that, or you've got to blend it, you know, depending on what it is. Um, with the export ban that we had until 2015, as the article points out, it's really kind of stifled, you know, the U.S. export economy. No shocker there, right? Um, and so now that the, that this is going to market, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how long it takes for the market to rebalance itself. I think, for me, the takeaway is you have this export angle, but as someone who's, I'm not in the export of oil business, I am in the Texas oil and gas business. And so I think that the takeaway here is, if you look at what they're talking about, it's, it's a theme that we've hit on a lot of times here, Josh, is that, you know, Corpus Christi, oh, we had them on, what was that, right after the hurricane, you know, two months ago now, um, you know, had them on talk about it. They're deepening their canal, so you've got that going on. Um, there's pipelines that we talked about, like Epic and other things that are going to be going down to Corpus. If you're in the long-term type type mindset, you're trying to you're trying to figure out how do I make money? You know, five, ten, fifteen years. Um, the midstream to facility type stuff that's going to be going on in Corpus from the Permian. And obviously the Eagleford, because it's right there, but for the Permian especially, the, the build-out around the Corpus area is going to be very strategic in your business, if that's something that interests you. I, I told someone that a few months ago. I said, hey, I think Corpus is a long-term play. Um, as an engineering firm, I know. I said, hey, Corpus, you know, that's, that's where I would focus a lot of my 
my business at if I was you if I was you guys and you know they kind of said ah, I'm not too sure well about two months later they called me back and said hey guess what <laughs> you were right you know I don't think I think it kind of when it's one of these articles that you you look at and you you take the headline you go oh wow the export business that's great um, on this show we really try to divide, uh, we try to deliver value for business owners for people looking for jobs for just the average folks like me and you and when I read this article I go that's great that we're selling a lot of oil but the the, the bigger issue for me is I go okay how do I develop a business strategy that's going to incorporate incorporate around this corpor, uh, Corpus Christi. Boy, it's tough tough to say there, Josh. Incorporate around Corpus Christi. How do I develop a business strategy that's going to be built around the growth that's going to happen in Corpus Christi over the next several years? Because this the, the bridge and dredging projects will not be done until 2021, which means that, that, that there's going to be a lot of infrastructure built over these next few years leading up to that. And then once that actually is completed, there will be more stuff. So the Corpus area and what's going in there, for me, from a business uh, standpoint, that's a focus. If I'm in the pipeline business, if I'm in the refining business, if I'm, if I'm in the you know, midstream part of the business, I, I am looking for opportunities around that. Well, Ryan, yeah, I think all that, um, what you see with the Port of Corpus and how to develop a strategy is great stuff. Hey, hey, jo- hey Josh, are you uh, are you at the sawmill today recording, or what's going on over there, buddy? It sounds like it, man. I got a neighbor that's uh, doing some yard work on a Friday morning, apparently, so uh, we're kind of having to deal with that. I've been trying to keep the mic muted every now and then, but he's, he's almost done, thankfully. Uh, it must be nice to be working at your house. Uh, I hope. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for rubbing that in for the rest of us. It's not too bad. It's not too bad until, <laughs> until they do yard work. Well, Ryan, yeah, I, uh, looking at that, you, we, we mentioned the Port of Corpus Christi a few times, and uh, we talked about them widening the canal and building that bridge that would uh, allow for some taller ships to come through. Uh, so I think I think the, the port's making the right moves, and I think it's a great point for or, or a great area, uh, a great strategy to kind of invest in, in ways to leverage the work that they're doing there in, in the Port of Corpus Christi. Yeah, and, um, and, and one more comment on that, Josh. And one of the things I was telling, I was talking to someone the other day. We're we're looking on bringing on, as we mentioned before, more types of guests. And one of the things I told him was, is that you know, uh, when I read the news, I really read it from a business standpoint because that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a business guy, right? And so I think sometimes we look at these articles and we kind of get excited about. And there's nothing wrong with this. We kind of get excited about the headline. You know, te- you know, international companies won't. You know, Texas Oil or whatever the headline of the article is. I don't have it. I've done moved on now. But foreign markets. Uh, Texas Oil says expert. Okay, well, that's great. But what does that mean for me today as someone who's trying to make payroll or someone who's trying to get a job or someone who's trying to figure out how do I advance my career over the next five years? And so, you know, sometimes I know when we talk about these articles, it might be a little bit of a narrow focus, but I actually think that's probably the most actionable information you can take away from this article is, okay, great. Well, some country that I'm never going to go to wants to buy the Texas Oil. That's good to know. What does that mean for me? That means for me that this oil is shipped out of here. That means they'll build pipelines. That means they're going to expand refineries. That means there's jobs. That means there's production. That means there's all these things. So uh, I just want to point that out that sometimes I know that you know, the listeners might go, hey, you talk about jobs a lot. Well, I think that's actually the most in, uh, actionable information you can take away from most of these articles are, are how does it impact me in my business? And, you know, uh, talking about that, Ryan, I think uh, there's a lot of concern with uh, people's business moving forward with some of the technology advancements that are being made. You know, there are these workers, uh, old rig you know, people that work on rigs and and drill uh there are these technology technological advancements that are taking place where there are people that are actually doing um some of the man man work man uh, manpower work they're using technology to accomplish some of those some of those jobs and it's bringing a lot of concern 
And, uh, and there's a, an article that came out on Reuters where, uh, these companies being pressured for profit, they're looking for these technological ways to cut expenses so that they can create bigger, uh, safer profit margins. And they have talked about, you know, some of the advancements in shale, uh, shale, shale oil and some of the engineers that, uh, there's one with one guy, I believe his name is Oscar Portillo. He spends his days drilling as many five wells at once without ever setting foot on a rig. So he's using these monitors to look at pressures and valves and, uh, and it, using technology really to, to cut costs tremendously. Uh, there's a percentage in here that they, they mentioned is, is how, how much, how much of the costs are being cut back from using this technology. Uh, Ryan, what do you think uh, the outlook is for something, um, you know, for the jobs that are out there? I mean, the technology would have to get pretty advanced for it to, to really, uh, affect industry in a, in a big way, don't you think? Yeah, I think this is one of the things that we miss when we talk about technology. So, um, let's just let's just step back here and say that all the you know most of the rig jobs go to automated drilling rigs. Okay, so th- those jobs are gone. When those jobs are gone, though, new jobs and different jobs are created. So again, if you go back to how do you read this article, most of the response that you will see around this article, um, and it's not wrong response, it's just people looking at it from that vantage point, is either A, good for oil and gas companies or increasing efficiency, B, maybe from a safety standpoint, hey, this will increase safety because people aren't on the rigs and get injured. Um, you know, C, you might hear people talk about cutting costs. Uh, there, there's a lot of different angles you will take away. But for me, I look at it and I go, okay, if I was on a drilling rig and I wasn't going to be the guy who's going to run running these five rigs from a, a remote location, what would I do? Because that's that's really the question now is is what do I do? Well, if there's a new type of rig being built, then that means there's parts for that. You know, there, there's all this other stuff. There's going to be um, companies that are going to want to get into that space. They're going to want to build these automatic drilling rigs. They're going to want to build you know new parts, new new features for them. So expertise on you know what happens on a drilling rig. You know, so I would look at it from that standpoint. Um, also, there's a standpoint that you might look at it and say. Um, you know, maybe you just go to a manufacturing type job. One of the things that we've talked about, Josh, is you know when um, when oil prices go up or go down, there's impact on things like trucking. You don't think of trucking as a business that's tied to oil and gas directly, but it is. Well, when trucking jobs go up, okay, well that increases tire sales because trucks need tires, and that increases oil sales. All of that stuff is related. So, um, yes, I do think this is the way we're going. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's it's safer for people to not be on a drilling rig, assuming that's what you know the numbers do bear out, and I don't know how it can't bear it out because no one's there to get hurt. So it seems to be safer. It seems to be a, cu- a cost-cutting measure. Um, and so we're going to see this more and more and more. The question then is, is for the people on the rigs, how do they continue to get jobs? And I think that's where you got to sit back right now if you're on a rig and go, you know what, how do I make sure I have a job? And you got to figure out what do what are the skill sets I have? A, do I transition to a different part of the industry? Or B, do I try to go to work for a company who is developing these this rig technology and offer them advice um, either on you know, practical real-world knowledge that I know about or maybe it's a manufacturing side of the, uh, of the equation to where you're helping them build the rigs themselves? Yeah, you know, and, and you, you, like you mentioned, all the jobs that open up. I mean, if uh, if there's nobody on these rigs, there's going to have to be regular maintenance done, uh, fixing problems. Um, they're gonna, there's still going to be, there's still going to be different aspects of jobs. Like you said, it's going to be a much safer deal. Um, you know, long term, it, it just uh, it, it's a way that an economy moves forward. Uh, you know, that that as as we progress and have these advancements, 
uh, these people can start putting time and effort toward other jobs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. I was just going to say, Josh, you, you bring up a good point there. One of the things you could think about is, you know, if before the airplane was around, um, if you were the car business or the train business, you might have thought, oh, my gracious, this will end my job, okay, because the, the plane can now carry around um, a lot of people at once. Now, obviously, it did impact what happened to those, you know, we don't travel by train very much now, right? And we use cars a lot more because they're more efficient. But, you know what, if you're going cross-country, you're not going to drive if you can afford to fly. However, what has it also created, Josh? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of, uh, of jobs that are tied to the air industry now. You know, we have airports. Okay, so you have McDonald's workers or shoe shiners or people clean the floors at airports. Those jobs never even existed before. On top of all of the airplane mechanics, on top of, you know, Boeing and all, all, all this other stuff is created as a result of a different way to do things. And so you have a great point there. As we go into... Um, these new rigs, there's going to be new things that come out with new industries that come up. And I say new industries, new type, new um, slivers in the industry that we currently don't really think about. We, we can't really foresee. And so I don't look, it's discouraging, obviously, if you're working on a drilling rig right now, you're going, Ryan, you're overselling this. And I get that. Um, my challenge to you, and what I would say is, is try to figure out what is going to be the 2.0 of this evolution. As Josh pointed out, what, how will the rigs look different? How can you capitalize on that? And how can you position yourself to make sure that you, um, you know, you're not the person who loses the job. You're actually the person who kind of goes to the 2.0 of this and capitalizes on it. Yep. Gets the promotion, you know, on the, on the technology run, I just wanted to touch on something for just a minute. Uh, it was an article that came out from the oil and gas investor, there was a conference and uh, they were talking about marathon oil leveraging uh, the digital oil field. Uh, they've they've had some uh, digital enhancements in the Eagleford assets and they're adding two to three barrels of production to every well per day. So uh, they're making some technolo technological advancements, uh, not necessarily the ones that we're talking about here, but they're trying to figure out ways to maximize cost efficiency and production. Uh, so it's a, it's a cool article. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes if anybody wants to go and take a look at it. Um, moving on, Ryan, we have two, two pieces of, uh, of news here with some mergers and ac acquisitions. Milestone opens up second Permian facility. Um, this is, uh, this is pretty cool because they mentioned that they are looking to help people, uh, get some career started. Um, the, the, I'll just read what they have here at Milestone employees have access to competitive wages, affordable, comprehensive benefits and the chance to build a career. The company hired 18 additional employees to run and support the facility with plans to hire more in coming months. So um, definitely a great opportunity here. We're going to link this in the show notes. And, uh, and one last thing, Ron, we have uh, another article from the oil and gas investor, Blackstone's Magic. They, um, this, this article says that they spent $340 million to acquire 140,000 net acres in 20 different states from Noble Energy. Uh, the, the most important of that acreage was a uh, 15,500 net acres, uh, of royalty interest in the Permian basin. So Blackstone's making some moves. Uh, they said that they were mainly interested in that Permian acreage. And so, uh, that'd be a company to look for and see, uh, probably be some opportunities coming up with them, um, you know, next year. 
Yep, yep. Good stuff, Josh. Good stuff. And hey, one final thing, you know, for the listeners that don't know, Josh and I both have a background in real estate. Um, and I saw here that old T Boone listed his property uh, in the Texas Panhandle for $250 million. And so um, I didn't get the listing on that. Of course, I'm not practicing real estate actively. But Josh, did you happen to pick up T Boone's $250 million listing? Well, I was going to see if you want to go in with me and uh, and buy it, but uh, and I don't I don't think it has quite enough acreage. It's a little small. It's a little small. A little small. It's, a, yeah, it's, it's only a hundred square miles, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's, so. only, it's only a hundred square miles, and so I was looking for something about a hundred and twenty square miles, and so um, yeah, well, we're gonna pass on that one this time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful, man. If you go look at it, it's an incredible ranch, really, uh, really and truly. Yeah, it, it says in here it took nearly ten years to build a stone aqueduct on the on the. <laughs> so you just look at it and uh, and you're like, oh my gracious, it's uh, you know, it's it's insane. I mean, yep. So if you're interested in that, um, yeah, if you if you're one of the listeners who has 250 million to throw around, we'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, Josh and I would appreciate a little bit of compensation for putting you onto that hot deal there. That's right, the referral or something. Yeah, we need a little <laughs> referral money on that one. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, uh, drilling index is down 1%. We're at 1,007. Uh, the U.S. rig count is at 1,007 as of this morning. Yeah, no no real surprise there. You know, you could kind of expect things to be, you know, kind of walk. Pretty slow yeah, during okay. this last, last month. Yeah, kind of, you know, up and down, up and down. I think the real question is going to be is once we get into January, you know, we're going to see, I would imagine, an uptick. Um, what is that uptick going to look like? How fast is the climb? So it'd be interesting to see. I, and, you know, I, I'm glad that the DI folks um, have got their index back up and going because um, I like watching it. Um, I, I like watching it more from a, you know, kind of quarter to quarter or year to year type um deal but but the weekly is nice to kind of see what is going on so um thanks to those folks who got back with us and, and got that up and going i think to my knowledge we are the only show that uses this as its official um rig count so i um it's you know we, we appreciate it and one final thing josh before we get out of here is we need to thank our sponsor again which is inkhead if you're going to get your company's logo on you know mugs shirts pins whatever you can get free shipping if you go to globalenergymedia.com slash ink and you use the code aff ship free that's aff ship free we will put that in the show notes for you guys and so you can do that get free shipping on your first order from inkhead and until next time Keep climbing.